Uh, if you're a guest or visitor, thanks for enduring that. Sometimes we have a little bit of family business that we have to address, and uh, finances are always one of them, but that was certainly not a sales pitch for you uh, if you're visiting or checking out our church. Uh, we have uh, T-shirts that are on sale. You guys can see those uh, outside, as, as Grant and Dan alluded to, and all those proceeds go directly to our safety and security team. We want to buy some uh, AED paddles uh, so that we're ready in case there's a medical emergency. We want to get a, a better first aid kit. We want to get uh, some uh, active shooter uh, training and some security measures so that we're protected and so that we're ready. So all of the proceeds from the church uh, go towards funding that safety and security team. So I just want to uh, highlight that for you. Um, I want to let you know something that I've been dwelling on all week long. And, and if you're taking notes, I know a lot of you take notes on Sunday. I want you to write this down. The God of the universe accomplishes his work on earth through his church as we engage in our gifts. I want you to think about that just for a moment. The God of the universe accomplishes what he wants to do on earth through us. I hope that's a staggering truth for you a little bit. I hope that's something that makes you go, uh-oh, like he probably should have chose a different uh, avenue to accomplish his work. But here's the reality. After Jesus ascended at the right hand of the Father, he left his people, he left you and I here on earth, not just to hang out and, and take up space on this earth until we die, and then who knows what happens, but he, he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and then he told us that through his Holy Spirit, he will accomplish all of heaven's plans through you and I, through us. Not just the people of the Bible, not just the disciples who are watching this crazy act take place. In fact, uh, the other day, Lori and I were out here, and we were watching the sunset, and we're like, don't you wonder what it looked like to see Jesus just kind of ascend up to heaven? And it was just this beautiful uh, sunset, and we were kind of dwelling on that. That's exactly what happened. And the reality is this, is that Jesus moves in the hearts of his people to take care of the needs and concerns and problems and work of this world around us. That's exactly what he does. And then we accomplish God's plan as we serve. We've all heard of the Nobel Peace Prize. All of you have heard of the Nobel Peace Prize. You've, uh, some of you can name some of the winners. It's primarily given to those who serve greater humanity in, in some way. Uh, Alfred Nobel uh, was of the 1800s. He was a Swedish uh, chemist, and primarily he was making his fortunes by coming up with these uh, ideas to sell to governments so that they could create ammunitions and like cannons and such. Uh, in other words, uh, his whole purpose in creating his fortune was death and destruction. And one day his brother died. And uh, the local newspaper, hopefully this never happens to any of us, the local newspaper, instead of running an obituary on his brother, ran an obituary on Alfred. All right? Imagine waking up, you grab your morning coffee, and you read that you have died. <laughs> That's what Alfred uh, read about that morning. And as Alfred read his own obituary, 
He read that his whole life ambitions and all of his fortune and all of his purpose was built around death and destruction. And it absolutely shook Alfred Noble to his core being. And that day, in that exact moment, he made a fundamental decision. And that was he was going to allow his purpose for life to be different. And he began to think about how to serve others. He began to think about peace and community and serving humanity. He made an absolute shift for his purpose. Well, we're in the third week of this series, I Love My Church. Uh, week one, we talked about uh, creating a sense of belonging here, that no matter who walks through our front doors, our side doors, or morphs into this room, you are welcome here. You're welcome to question God. You're welcome to join in with where God is at work. You are welcome here. We want to create a sense of belonging in everything that we do. Week two, we talked about growing on what it takes to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ, that it really does require being in the Word of God to meditate on it, to chew on it, to really meditate on what His words actually say. Our mission statement comes from Matthew chapter 28. And our mission statement for our church is that we exist to equip every person to take the next step in becoming a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do. That's why we want to expand the building. That's why we want to knock this wall out. That's why we want to pave a parking lot is so that we can do a better job of doing some of these things. The last few weeks we've worked through that and this morning we're talking about serving. And I want to just start off by saying so many of you serve so faithfully and, and without thinking of self. And I just want to reward you with a hearty thank you on behalf of the pastoral staff and the elders. You guys do such an incredible job. But it is important for us to talk about the theology and the foundation of why do we serve? What are, what are, what are we supposed to do as we serve? Where does that even come from? And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 describes how we're all connected to one another that we're all dependent on one another, and that there's a purpose on why we belong to church. It's more than just fun. It's more than just checking off a box. It's more than just occupying an hour, hour and a half on a given Sunday, that there's a reason for it. And the Bible actually does an incredible job of talking about this exact topic, serving. This morning, we're going to fly through a ton of scripture passages. I don't expect you to turn to everyone, but I do want you to open your Bibles uh, to Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can uh, use one in the seat in front of you or behind you or under you. You can turn your Bibles on if your phone or your iPad, whatever. Uh, but we're going to be walking through a ton of scriptures this morning. If we look at the life of Jesus, the Jews in, in the Bible were expecting a great conqueror to come and, and to literally take over Roman and to do whatever it took to resume power. And they were looking for a general. They were looking for someone who was going to come, if you would, kick butt and take names. That's exactly what they were looking for. And many, many were very, very frustrated when that kind of a Messiah didn't come. 
The Jews were looking for a ruler, a conqueror. And the Christ came. And according to Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he did not come to be served, but to serve. You'd see the Jews weren't looking for someone who would come and serve them, someone that would take care of them, someone that would nurture them. They were looking for someone to conquer. And yet Jesus comes with a whole different frame of mind. And here's the good news for you and I. Usually, God doesn't require great acts of sacrificial servanthood each and every day. Usually, that's not the case for our everyday purposes. He might require that at sometimes he might ask of you to serve him in some great sacrificial manner, but usually he wants his followers to make themselves available to meet the needs and offer help and listen to others and show kindness and hospitality. Usually that's where he wants us to serve, to sit and listen to a friend who's hurting, to, to walk with a family who's struggling. Sometimes he might say, I want you to sacrifice everything, sell it all, go and and serve on the mission field. That might happen, but usually it's the mundane, day in and day out, minute by minute. I'm too busy, but I'm going to turn and listen to a coworker. I'm going to show acts of kindness and hospitality. Philippians chapter 2 instructs, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others. Better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Imagine how we, followers of Jesus, would stand out in our culture if at every turn we looked to the interest of others. What would our world begin to look like? Not, not just looking to the interests of others when we walk through these doors at 225 Majestic View Drive, but what would it look like if every day when we're taking out the trash, we're mowing our lawn, we're grocery shopping, we're on vacation, if at every turn we thought about the interests of others always, what would this world look like? In fact, what would the outside world, those who are far from God, who are looking in at the church, how would their view of church change? The number one description of churchgoers to the outside world is what? Can anybody guess? Hypocrites. Hypocrites. You say you love, but you judge. You say you care, but you hate. You say you're standing for good, but all we see is you standing against. You see, you see a struggle there? What would our world look like if, if all we did was look out for others? This morning we're talking about servant. And to maintain a servant's heart, this is critical. Remember that Christ is your Lord. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you have to remember that Christ is your Lord, which means you are not the master. He is. You're not master of your own life. You're not master of your own schedule. You are not master of your money. You are not master of how you want to treat your own purity. 
Why? Because you're not Lord. You're not master. He is. And that is a critical understanding for us, even in the church, because so often we'll say, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. We'll sing about Jesus being Lord. But then when it ultimately comes to calling the shots with how I run my life, who's in charge? I am. And we wonder why life doesn't work well. I'm here to tell you, if you want to run life as if you are master, good luck with that. It's not going to turn out well. If not in the everyday life, in eternity, it will not end up well. And so when you willingly and joyfully obey by serving... And, and really serving others instead of yourself, you glorify God. You model Christ. You live as Christ lived. You do exactly what the scriptures intend for us. You invest in something of eternal value. And it's not just Jesus who spoke about it. We see this all throughout the scriptures, all throughout the Bible of people like Paul who said, listen, you're free. Because of Christ, you are free. Do you hear? You are free. But not to build up your own kingdom, but to serve out of love. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 says this, for you were called to freedom brothers and sisters, only not to, serve, not to use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, help me with this. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I'm just telling you what the scriptures say. And if you spend time in the scriptures, you cannot help but to walk away going, I must serve if I'm a follower of Jesus. Now, is this a ploy for us to get a ton of people to care for our babies? No. Is this a tactic to get you to sign up for Thrive and work with Alex? No. Is this a, a, a ploy to get you to be a greeter on a Sunday morning? No. This is to get you and I to wrap our minds around that if we are followers of Jesus, we serve. Period. There isn't any wiggle room in that. You cannot say, I'm a devoted follower of Jesus, but I will not serve. I'm a devoted follower of Jesus, but I will not give financially. I'm a devoted follower of Jesus, but I won't read my Bible. The two don't work together. And I know this is not a popular message. But I'm telling you, we cannot read the Bible and not come to this conclusion. Alfred Noble had a decision to make in that moment. Am I going to continue to live for self, for self-comfort, for my purpose, for my fortune, or am I going to shift in that exact moment to live for something greater than me? And because of that shift, it changed his life. I would even say it, it changed history. It changed humanity. It changed what the purpose is. And I wonder this morning if God's asking you to make a decision. If God's asking you to take a step. I don't know what that is. 
We do see a ton of students on this stage leading us in worship. They're serving. They're using their talents and their gifts and their, their calling to lead us into the kingdom of God. And I wonder if God's asking you this morning to make a decision. Now, there's a difference between talents and spiritual gifts. We're going to get into this a little bit. Talents and skills are natural abilities that we're born with, okay? You guys wrap your mind around that? Some of you were born athletes. Some of you were born to read, right? <laughs> like it, some of you, it doesn't matter what sport you do, you just kind of pick it up and some of you just need to coach, right? And as we grow, these talents and abilities that we're naturally born with, they develop and they generally determine our interests and our vocations because of some of the natural abilities. However, a spiritual gift is a divinely given ability. That is to say, when you were saved, God blessed you with a spiritual gifting. You weren't born with it. It didn't come from your DNA. It didn't come from being born into a family. It came from being born into the kingdom of God. And this equips us to serve the exact kingdom of God in which we received that gift. And these gifts are chosen for us very, very specifically so that we could use those for his purposes. Not our own. Not for our vocation. Not for anything else, but to glorify him and build his kingdom up. The Bible describes these. You can write some of these down if you're taking notes. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, lists spiritual gifts which enable the person for the work of the service and to build up the body of Christ, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11, describes gifts which are given to individuals for the common good of the church. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing spirits, tongues, and their interpretation. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8, speaks of the spiritual gifts which determine how we express ourselves and we serve others. Prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy. The Bible goes to great lengths to say, guess what? You are special. You have been given a gift, and it's a gift to build up. Here's a reality. I want you to write this down as well. Every rescued follower of Jesus Christ has received at least one spiritual gift. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you are saved. I want you to know you have received at least one spiritual gift. Some of you are sitting right now going, I didn't even know I have a gift. In fact, I, have, I don't even know where to even start. We're going to address that. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you have a gift. And that means of every age, you students that are in this room, you have a spiritual gift from your heavenly father. For the oldest of old to the youngest of young, you are gifted in a very, very unique way with at least one spiritual gift. And a simple way to discover these gifts are to examine 
how we respond to certain situations or events. Just to be aware or grab those who are closest to you and ask, hey, so when I'm around kids, how do I act? And they go, you're kind of demonic around kids. You go, okay, well, my gift isn't with kids. Okay, (laughs) grab people around you to help you interpret what your gifts are. Ask them. For example, those with exhortation, they like to help and encourage other people. Leaders tend to take charge of situations, while people with mercy feel compassion for the hurting. Some of you have the gift of mercy and you didn't even know it. My hope through this series and and very specifically in your life groups coming up this week is that you're able to identify how you are gifted. And for some of you, it's going to be life-changing because you're going to sit there and go, man, I always knew that there was an attraction for this, but I didn't know it was a spiritual gift. Yes. And not because you're special, but because God is special and he's given you that gift. Some of you have the gift of hospitality. You thought you just liked to throw parties. No. You have a gift of making people feel welcome and and at home and building community. Some of you don't have that people skill. Don't invite people to your house. You're just, you're like the person who needs a Snickers bar, right? Like, just don't do that. And that's okay. It's okay because we're all gifted in different ways. That's why the Bible says that we are all having to work together as one body because we're not all gifted in the same way. The Bible says that spiritual gifts are given for the common good of the church, not for individual accolades or for you to be good at something, but for the common good. They're not for us, but they're for other people. Do you know that right now you have a spiritual gift if you're a follower of Jesus and it's for the people in your row? You have a spiritual gift right now or behind you. Maybe not for the person right next to you. But you have a spiritual gift for the people in this room and for the kids out there. And for every seat in this room that's empty that represents a person that is going to start coming to Rock Creek Church and find community and find hope. You have a gift for them. And what we want to do as a church is we want to unleash those gifts. Not so that we can get a bunch of workers. There's certainly some of that to be done. But so that you can be unleashed to be who God has always wanted you to be. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5 tells us that God made us to be part of the church, part of the whole body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 states that we work together according to one's unique giftedness, and the church is benefited because of that. That's why Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, to employ them, meaning the gifts, in serving one another. Because when we employ, when we activate our spiritual gifts for others, we gain a sense of purpose and and satisfaction because what we're doing is what the Lord created us to do. And it feels right. You maybe have had this moment where you go, man, this is what I was born to do. People in theater say that all the time, like, I think of Julia Hansen, like Julia Hansen was born to be on the stage acting or singing, right? 
Some of you have found your purpose, you have found your spiritual gift, and you go, man, this is what I was meant to do. This was my uh, shift when I went from law enforcement into pastoral ministry. I knew that I knew that I knew that God was calling me, that he gifted me to be a pastor. I could go do a lot of other things, some of them well, some of them not well, but I could do them. But when we use our spiritual gifts to help others, we experience success as the Spirit of God empowers us. And I want nothing more for than you to find out what is my gift and how can I use that for the kingdom of God to build Jesus up. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are on earth to serve the kingdom of God. That's why we exist. We don't exist for the next vacation. Newsflash. We don't exist for the next football game. We don't exist for the next promotion. We don't exist to hit retirement. We don't exist to build up our 401 so that we're safe and sound. We don't exist for that. As followers of Jesus, you are on this earth. You have breath in your lungs to serve the kingdom of God. Don't mistake that for only Rock Creek Church. What he's doing all around us in this building, outside of this building. And we do that by serving each other in really small ways that steady the whole body and we give support to what God is doing in our midst. I hope and pray you want to be a part of a church that is shooting for the stars. I hope and pray you want to be a part of a church that's not content with just showing up, sitting down, having a nice service, singing some songs, hearing some scripture, and then going about your day. I hope you want to see mountains moved. I hope you want to see the seas parted. I hope you want to see healing done. I hope you want to be a part of us going to Africa and Juarez and and working with the homeless downtown in Boulder. I hope you want to see kids becoming from a little baby to little Pastor Piper back there who's got a heart of evangelism. I hope that's what you want to see in this church. And we all do it in little ways. We do our part. Several years ago when I was at the Ventura Police Department, we uh, were dispatched to a call of a uh, suicidal subject uh, in, uh, sorry, subject, person in the house uh, with family members. And it wasn't my call. I was uh, someone who responded uh, just because of the urgency of it. And as I responded, I was told, cover this corner of the house. Uh, And so I did that. And so I took up my position behind a brick wall, and I sat there with my gun out for 15 minutes, a half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes, up to two hours, and shortly thereafter, the whole time like this. I don't know how strong you are. I'm not, so I found very creative ways to prop my arm. You know, at the beginning, you're super amped, you're excited. Everything's flowing, and by the end, you're looking for a stick to hold your arm up, right, to pitch a tent. But I did my part. It wasn't my call. 
I held the corner. I wasn't involved in going into the house. I wasn't involved in negotiations. I wasn't involved in taking the person uh, to the hospital. I wasn't involved in any of that. I just stayed on the corner of a house what seemed like forever. I failed to mention it was raining. Doesn't happen very often in California, only when I'm on the corner of a house for two hours. It's like you look up and go, really, Lord? <laughs> we don't ever get rain, and now we do. It's perfect. I did my part, and I want you to know, sometimes God isn't going to gift you to change the world. He's going to gift you to set up chairs. He's going to gift you to vacuum. He's going to gift you to give a word. He's going to gift you to say good morning as people come in. He's going to gift you in ways that build up the body for his work. And make no mistake, it's his work, not ours. It's what he is doing in and amidst in our world. And you and I are entrusted with the spiritual gifts that he has given us. We are called to take care of those gifts in a very special way. No matter how little we think we have to offer, you have a special place in the kingdom of God. You have a way to serve. You have a way to care. And this must continue to be our DNA as Rock Creek Church for several reasons. One, we can't accomplish our mission statement of making disciples if we don't help you serve. Two, we can't have a church. There's too much to be done. And along with a sense of belonging, and along with a sense of growing, we must be a place where everybody serves for the greater work of what he's doing in our midst. The kingdom of God. <laughs> Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not mankind. Friends, we're, we're called to serve in a way that the Holy Spirit is able to work in and through us, to change us. And often, here's been my experience, often God will call us or gift us, in other words, to an area to serve because he wants to be close to us. I think one of the reasons why God allows me to be a pastor is because he wants to be really close to me. And he knows that if I weren't, then I might be far. I don't pretend to understand God's ways. I don't pretend to, to give a definitive answer on why he gifts certain people different ways. But I know he does. Rock Creek Church exists to equip every person to take the next step in becoming a more fully devoted follower of Jesus. We make no apologies for that. From the littlest of babies to the oldest of old. Have you asked the Lord what he wants you to do? 
You, you might say, well, I'm already doing something. Have you asked if you're doing the right thing? Oh, I'm already serving. Great. Are, are you serving where God wants you to serve? Are you in the game? Do you know how the Lord has gifted you? If, if you don't know how he's gifted you, you can certainly talk to friends and family, but I also want to give you a resource. If you go on our app under Life Groups, there's a discussion guide with this series. You go, well, I'm not even part of Life Group. No problem. You can still go on and get that. There's no password. You just click on it. It's a Google Doc. For this particular week, in the discussion questions, there's a link for an online gift finder so that you can go on. It takes probably 10, 15 minutes, depending on how decisive you are. If you're not very decisive, that might indicate something about your gifting. But you can go on, you can take that gift finder and it will spit out what it thinks your gifts are. And then you take that and you measure that up against the word of God and the people that know you. And in prayer, you bring that before God and go, man, this says I'm gifted at such and such. Is that right, Lord? And then find where you're supposed to be serving. And, and finally, I'll ask this question. Is there anything that's keeping you from serving? Is there anything keeping you from doing? You go, well, I'm an introvert. Wonderful. So is Alex. He's a pastor. So are a lot of people in this room. We're serving. Well, I'm busy. Well, you're the only one. That's busy. <laughs> so you, you get a break. No, we're all busy. Several of you have asked me this morning, hey, how are you doing, Brian? And I've said, I'm more busy than I wish I were. We're all busy. Well, I'm doing other things. Well, join the party. We're all doing other things. I just want to encourage you to pray about and ask, God, how do you want me to be serving? And maybe it's at Rock Creek Church. Maybe it's one of our ministries that we're going to give you an opportunity next week. Maybe it's outside of this church. You volunteer with Young Life. You work with Packs of Hope. You're downtown with the homeless. That's great, but serve the kingdom of God somewhere. Because it's the coolest thing ever. Let's pray together. Jesus, we could go on and on and on reading passages that talk about how we grow in our relationship with you. And at the centerpiece of it is what you modeled, and that is to serve. To serve outside of self, to look to the interest of others, to care about their needs and concerns above our own, to sacrifice to struggle and we find that when we do that it is the greatest experience ever so thanks thanks for that gift it is to serve and thank you Jesus that you modeled that for us by going to the cross by serving us in a, in a way that you never deserved. And that if we think too long and hard about it, it breaks our heart. That you had to, to go to such extremes to save us. 
And so, God, thank you that this church is continually taking steps, belonging, growing, serving, reaching next week. We are being who you want us to be and drawing some pretty hard lines in the sand in order to accomplish it. So as we come to you uh, in this time of, of response in singing, would you ignite our hearts to sing, to close our eyes, to experience you in a new way, to get lost in the words, and that you would draw us closer and then give us the challenge, give us the insight, give us the direction that you've called us to. That's our prayer. And we pray in the strong and powerful and risen, loving name of Jesus Christ our Lord, our Savior, our King, our Father. Amen. Would you please stand?